It is Thursday, December 14th. Today. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the Everybody procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! The end of the third-party cookie starts in just three weeks. Threads makes it to Europe. YouTube makes ads fewer, but longer. And how your company's data may have been shared with OpenAI without you realizing it. I'm Todd Maffin. That's ahead. Today in Digital Marketing. Well, they said they would do it. Then they delayed it a bunch of times. Now it's really going to happen. Google this morning confirmed it will start blocking third-party cookies in its Chrome browser starting January 4th. Luckily for those marketers still not prepared for the cookie-less world, Google will only be blocking 1% of its users then. Instead of cookies, Google's new system watches the sites people visit, then tries to put them in a number of interest buckets, like shoes or traveling or video games. Websites can then check what buckets a visitor is in, so people will still be subject to the sorting hat, but it's a little less connected to individuals. What does this mean for digital marketers? Well, hopefully you've been aware that this has been coming and are transitioning away from third-party ad tracking as a general rule. Other initiatives like Apple's iOS 14.5 also reduced our ability to target with precision. This is part of the reason retail ad networks like Amazon, Walmart, and even Instacart have been growing at an impressive clip. They have first-party data, which you can use to target on their properties. Or even better, have your own first-party data, email addresses tied to purchases, tied to browsing history, all information you can capture on your website or perhaps your commerce platform. So if you see a little eyeball logo in your Chrome URL bar in the new year, you are part of that 1%, which will eventually and probably faster than we expect, grow to 100%. A big day for Threads, Meta's Twitter competitor. The app is finally available in the European Union. When it launched, it didn't include the EU, probably needing more time to address that region's more detailed regulatory requirements, one of which is to let people browse Threads without logging into a Meta account. People who choose that will still need an account if they want to post or engage on the platform. Yesterday, we reported Threads had started connecting itself to ActivityPub, that is the large network that powers Mastodon, among other services. That integration is now out in the wild with a few accounts, notably the head of Instagram, whose posts on Threads you can now see and engage with from your Mastodon feed. Being in Europe, of course, is a huge deal to the growth of the app. With Meta Next turning its attention to a deeper activity pub connection and, fingers crossed, an API for us to use, it is definitely on the upswing. YouTube is reducing the number of ads which appear in a video, which could be bad for marketers. Generally, the less ad inventory is available, the higher the price to win it. But there is one small saving grace here. The reductions only apply to videos watched on an actual TV set. The company this morning announcing it will decrease the number of TV ads, but increase their length. Quoting that announcement, quote, viewers expect a different ad experience depending on the content they are watching. When it comes to long-form content on TV screens, 79% of viewers would prefer video ads that are grouped together instead of distributed throughout a video. Based on this preference, we evaluated fewer 
longer ad breaks to create a more seamless viewing experience on the big screen. In early testing, more than half of YouTube-connected TV streamers experienced 29% longer viewing sessions before their next ad break, unquote. One other change, it used to show how many ads were left. Now viewers will see the time left until the break ends, or they can skip to the content directly. I expect these changes to roll out fairly soon. Also, Google is launching Shorts ads globally on connected TVs. The viewer experience is about the same on mobile, and viewers can use their TV remote to click away from ads, just as they would with any other short. If you are interested in trying Shorts ads out, you can get to them through the Video Reach campaigns, Video View campaigns, and Shorts-specific campaigns like YouTube Select Shorts, First Position on Shorts, and Trending Music on Shorts. Insider Intelligence has put out its digital ad predictions for 2024. First, they're expecting some stability in digital ad spend, less in the way of big swings. U.S. digital ad spend grew 13.5% during the years of the pandemic, according to their estimates. From now until the end of their forecast period in 2027, that will drop below 10% for the first time in more than a decade. Second, with Google's full phase-out of cookies set for next year, Insider Intelligence expects a push for mergers and acquisitions among ID providers, and they think Apple will finally roll out a demand-side platform next year. Third, they expect ad rates for streaming ads will get better. Next year, Amazon Prime releases its ad-supported tier, and it's expected to overtake Roku in the rankings of ad spend. Fourth, they expect to see even more major ad platforms become more chummy with their tech. This year, we saw Google's ad platform play nice with X and Snapchat cutting deals with Amazon. Quoting Insider Intelligence, quote, For the first time since we began forecasting them in 2017, Walled Gardens will lose share of total programmatic digital display ad spend. One of the main drivers is retail media, which is taking up an increasing share of ad budgets, causing smaller Walled Gardens to try and prop up their ad business by partnering with their bigger counterparts, unquote. Instagram this week launched a background editing tool to users in the U.S. This will let you change the image background of a photo you upload to stories. Let's say you upload a photo of your product on grass. You could erase that grass and tell it to put your product on a bed of flowers or a red carpet. If you're in the U.S. and you have this activated, once you upload a photo through the stories workflow, you will see an icon at the top with a person and a box with a plus sign over it. Snapchat also this week released a similar tool, which lets users create and send AI-generated images, though that is part of their paid subscription. Earlier this week, we reported on the Pew Center's recent study of where American teens spend their time online. One platform we didn't mention, just because it was quite low in the rankings, is Be Real. Be Real is sort of like Instagram, but tries to be more authentic and get away from the packaged and polished images on Meta's app. According to that report, 13% of American teens aged 13 to 17 say they use Be Real. This week, the company added live photos. The app will now capture a second or two before you actually take the photo, so you end up with a tiny video, which is viewable by long-pressing the image. They're also leaning into the trend toward group sharing, adding group chats to the app. 
Users can only have two of these groups active at any one time, again, forcing people to be choosy about where and how they spend their time. And they're finally letting people tag friends in posts and repost images that they're tagged in. Be Real says it has 25 million daily active users. Quoting Social Media Today, quote, 25 million daily app users is a solid engaged base. And as it continues to add more functionality, it's still possible that Be Real could establish a niche communications role and become a more important platform for certain communities, though it's unlikely to become a major player and thus a major consideration for brands, unquote. Putting our podcast and newsletter together can get complicated. We had show notes in one place, interview coordination in another, brainstorming somewhere else. It's easy to lose track of the big picture when you have to open a new window for every detail. With Miro, you can bring everything and everyone together in one place. Consolidate different points of view and increase team collaboration all on one centralized board. For instance, we used Miro to figure out the right flow for our newsletter automations. It let us get our team all contributing, including our ad agency people, and saved us a ton of time. And its new AI tool, which summarizes and clusters information automatically, was a game changer. Find simplicity in your most complex projects with Miro. Your first three Miro boards are free when you sign up today at Miro.com slash podcast. That's three free boards at miro.com slash podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. And if you like the format of this podcast, you will love theirs. It's packed with information, but it's brief. Last week, they had a great rundown on car prices, not just the numbers, but why car prices moved, how weather affects that market. It was super interesting. They also cover things like boosting your credit score, putting money away for retirement, saving on travel, and so on. So yeah, listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Adobe is in trouble with American regulators over its policies around canceling its software subscriptions. Apparently, it's been in talks with the Federal Trade Commission for about a year and a half on this, but only recently disclosed it, saying there could be a settlement soon, which could cost the money, quote, significant monetary costs or penalties. Quoting Fortune, quote, users of Adobe programs, including Photoshop and Premiere, have long complained about the expense of canceling a subscription, which can cost more than $700 annually for individuals. Subscribers must cancel within two weeks of buying a subscription to receive a full refund. Otherwise, they incur a prorated penalty. Some other digital services like Spotify and Netflix don't charge a cancellation fee, unquote. The FTC has been trying to make digital subscriptions a little more consumer friendly. It proposed a rule earlier this year that it must be as easy to cancel as it is to sign up. Adobe is also trying to mend fences with British regulators over its proposed $20 billion acquisition of the design tool Figma. And finally, Dropbox is finding itself in hot water this week after it was discovered it was sharing its customers' data with a third-party provider. That provider is OpenAI, and the sharing happened if users used any of Dropbox's AI tools. 
Dropbox doesn't make any of their own tools, so they're basically renting the tech from OpenAI. So, of course, to use your company's documents with AI, they would need to send the data over there. The problem is that it wasn't particularly clear that was happening, and the consent toggle was switched on by default. So if your company uses Dropbox and any of your people on the account did anything with its new AI tools, it's likely that your data is now with OpenAI. Dropbox says it believes data sent there isn't used for training, though, of course, that's secondhand information. If you want to turn it all off, go to your account icon in the top right, click Settings, choose the tab called Third-Party AI, and toggle that sucker off. Don't forget about our email newsletter. It's free. It comes out every day. It has everything you hear in the podcast and more. Links to more about the stories we cover, videos, charts, illustrations. You can sign up by tapping the link in the show notes or going to todayindigital.com slash newsletter. I'm Todd Maffin. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. If my heart was a house, we could make it all.